these companies three months from now, three years from now, probably a decade plus from now, are still going to be strong, if not stronger companies. And they're still going to be in business for the most part, you know, rather than kind of chasing the latest hot tech fad that right. will either go to 100 or go to zero. That's not good investing. So investing in staples, not fads, is going to make you successful over time. There are many factors that contribute to success, skill, good work habits, positive mental attitude, and of course, proper planning. So let's head to the drafting table and get this retirement success blueprint underway with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm your co-host, Mark Killian. Let's get started. Welcome into another edition of the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart. Thanks for hanging out with us as we talk investing, finance, and retirement. This week on the podcast, we're going to talk about lessons we can learn from famous musicians. That should be interesting. Some rich musicians, I should say. Uh, and well, I guess they would be famous as well. And we'll get into that in just a second. But Mike, what's going on, my friend? Uh, any March Madness activity for you? Great and Blue Jays, North Carolina Tar Heels. That's where my, uh, <laughs> my heart lies. Yeah. That's where it lies, huh? Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. You've been doing okay? Uh, yeah, I've been doing well. How about yourself, Mark? Doing pretty good, hanging in there. Are you fully ensconced in tax season and all that stuff as well, too? Uh, Xing off the days until it ends. <laughs> there you go. Well, we've got a good show lined up. I said we're going to get into this topic about these richest musicians in a minute, but let's talk about some headline news here. Extra, extra, read all about it. The billionaire, the, the, the oracle of Omaha, right? Warren Buffett. Uh, he's the CEO of Berkshire Hathaway. In his annual letter to shareholders, he said never to bet against America and remarked that it's easy to overlook the many miracles occurring in middle America. Now, despite a country that has often seemed very divided in the last 18 months or so, Buffett sees hope in the ambition and the innovation of American business owners. Are you as bullish on this as Buffett? As an American business owner, I am always bullish on America. It's one of the greatest countries and capitalist societies that, that's out there. Now, if I wanted to be facetious about it, I would say that all of these opportunities have never bet against America. Now, Berkshire Hathaway, which mm -hmm. is a, you know, holds a portfolio of a variety of different you know, well-known companies, has in the past year cut about 8% of its workforce and cut about 31,000 jobs. Mm. So that doesn't sound very optimistic, right? <laughs> But, you know, as it looks for Warren Buffett, he's not looking at today's headlines. He's not looking at three months, six months, 12 months. He's saying don't bet against America because over time we figure it out, right? Over time, the markets, over time, businesses, and especially small and mid-sized businesses. Right. We pivot, we adapt, we do what we need to do to be successful. And sometimes that might be cutting staff. Other times it might be making wholesale changes in your business model or changing suppliers or supply chains. But at the end of the day, you know, if you take a look back over the last, you know, 200 years of this country or whatever, uh, progress always moves forward. And what most people do is they get focused on the noise. They get focused on the minutia, on today's headlines, what they see on social media. And what you need to be focused on is the promise of something better to come. I, I think that's a good way of looking at that because he has that saying, too, about the market, right? If you're not prepared to be in it for 10 years, you shouldn't be in it for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm, that kind correct. of thing. So yeah, so same kind of concept where he's looking long term, thinking long term, not just about the current headlines or the current thing today. So good, good point there as well. All right, well, let's jump into our conversation about money lessons from the richest musicians. So what I'm going to do, Mike, is I'm going to give you a couple of famous folks here and some of their net worth. I'll give you a little bit of data if you'd like on what they've done to get there. And then you give us kind of a financial lesson from it. Okay, perfect. Uh, are you familiar with Andrew Lloyd Webber? Does that name ring a bell? 
Uh, very much so, especially uh, financially, I am. and did, didn't really get a lot of the musicals that, that he did, but okay. I know that they were blockbusters. Yes, exactly. So he is listed as the richest musician in history. And you kind of think, well, wouldn't that be McCartney or you know Michael Jackson or something like that? Uh, but his net worth is, uh, anyway, at the time that this was done, was at about $1.2 billion. They range anywhere from about $900 million to about $1.2 billion. But, you know, obviously, to your point, you mentioned the the musicals. So he's written many things like Jesus Christ Superstar, Cats, Phantom of the Opera, continues to just bring in millions of him for him, whether it's soundtrack recordings, film adaptations, stagings. He also has a company that he set up way back in the 70s, Mike, to ensure that he gets profits from the ticket sales of any agencies and venues that also sell his stuff. It's pretty interesting stuff there. What's a financial lesson for us kind of paring that down to, you know, us regular folks? Yeah, the, the biggest lesson on that with all of those, and, and, and thanks for sharing those because there's a lot of great uh, kind of insight you can break down in mm-hmm. there. It's the importance of residual recurring regular income streams so that those paychecks are always coming in. You know, we talk about how in retirement, income is the outcome. It's not about hitting a home run with your investments. It's not about, you know, can you beat your neighbor's portfolio? It's about <laughs> can you generate predictable income from your investments that are going to last as long as you do? Right. And for most instances, that's a 25 or 35 year retirement. So, you know, the lesson with Andrew Lloyd Webber is that he set it up so that he's still getting paid on things that he did in the past. We do that on the investment end by looking at a lot of bond and bond-like instruments, you know, preferreds, REITs, a variety of other things that are paying you a consistent three, four, five, six percent plus in interest and dividends. So independent of what the market's doing, you're getting residual income on a monthly, quarterly mm-hmm. basis that you have permission to spend because you know it's going to renew itself next year. That's awesome. I like that. And I love that income is the outcome way of putting that. That's really good. So a great lesson there from Andrew Lloyd Webber. And, of course, pretty pretty good musicals as well. So my wife's a huge fan of the opera fan. I don't know how many times she can watch it, but she does. <laughs> All right. So let's go to our next one here, Bono. That name has to ring a bell with most people. So are you familiar with Bono? I am. Yeah. In my teens growing up with Joshua Tree and all the other good stuff. Yeah. yeah big fan of you too. Yep. So net worth around six or $700 million. Uh, he's made as much, and it's pretty interesting, into his forays in venture capital, Mike, as he has in his music. He actually was a major, major investor in Facebook's IPO that you know, panned out pretty well for him, I think. U2's uh, 360 tour a few years back grossed about $800 million over a two-year span between 09 and 11, making it one of the biggest tours in history. And he's just got a lot of other investments. He's got a clothing line, a five-star hotel, obviously the rights and you know from his music. So it sounds a little bit like the Andrew Lloyd Webber thing where there's a lot going on. Is there a different kind of lesson we can find in this? Yeah, and I, it's diversification. Diversification, and, and I want to give you an example in my, in my personal practice. So okay. uh, I assist in coaching in a mastermind of small business owners. And many of those, there's kind of two tiers. You know, one group has, you know, net worths of one to five million. The other one is around five to 25 million. You know, so each one has different needs on the financial planning and the advanced planning side. Mm-hmm. And Bono is a great example. One of the biggest things that we talk with business owners on is that, you know, the same things that got you your wealth aren't the same ways that you are going to be able to keep that wealth and grow that wealth. Oh, you know, like so yeah. most business owners, you know, and Bono, this example is a musician, like all the ones that we're talking about, got a lot of their wealth initially from their business or their own talents. 
But what they need to do is once you acquire that, you don't put that right back into you know, that industry. What you do is you diversify it by different investments. So in Bono's case, it's Facebook and you know, additional touring and clothing lines and hotels and all these kind of things. So you have multiple streams of income. So in the event that one of those goes away, you know, whether it's as a musician, the ability to sing or tour or anything like that, you've got other streams of income that are going to continue kicking out income for you until the day you pass and also leave a legacy for your heirs if that's important. Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. You know, he'll be a multimillionaire forever and that diversification certainly comes into play. And so it's really kind of interesting to take some of these, and obviously these numbers are pretty staggering. These are huge numbers, but the lessons can be applied to, to your point, whatever, you know, income level you've got going on. So uh, you can kind of pay, you know, uh, pair this down a little bit to your own level when you're having this conversation, when you're thinking about this uh, topic today on the podcast. Are you familiar with our next one, which is Sean Combs, uh, otherwise known as Puff Daddy or P. Diddy? Uh, I don't imagine a lot of our listening audience is too familiar with Sean's work, but they might be. I do. Yeah, that, that goes more so towards my college days. Yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, he. so he's. if you've heard the name, then you, you probably are not exactly maybe sure where you've heard it because he's got his fingers in so many things. A little bit to that diversification conversation from Bono, so I'll be curious to see where you give me a lesson on this one. But he was one of the first rappers to truly build a full empire, uh, so to speak. He's got a clothing line as well. He owns a piece of Chirac Vodka. He owns his own cable music network. His music business accounts actually only equate to about 20% of his revenue. So he's got a lot of other things cooking as well. So if it's not diversification, what might we think of on this? Yeah, it's the importance of investing in staples, you know, not chasing fads, what you think is going to be hot for the next three to six months. Instead, you got to look out what's going to be important for the next three to six years Mm -hmm. or next three to six decades. And for Diddy, you know, this meant, you know, taking a look at using his brand and his marketing expertise to look at clothing, alcohol, hotels, cable TV, you know, a variety of different things. Things we're all going to use, right? No, absolutely. Things that aren't going to go away based on economic cycles. So for you, it means investing in basically good strategies. It's not getting caught up in fads like, you know, Bitcoin, even with its recent highs and that, you know, it's too volatile uh, for most those in and nearing retirement to focus on, you know, or you can look at other foreign currencies or beanie babies back in the 90s, (laughs) since we're talking about, you know, P. Diddy and and things. Right. Uh, Yeah. What you really want to look at is taking a look at, you know, even like in our equity strategies clients come in, you know, we have clients that have individual stocks and that many of them are just blue chip, good, you know, strong balance sheet companies paying solid dividends. Why? Because we know that if markets up, down, sideways, these companies three months from now, three years from now, probably a decade plus from now are still going to be strong, if not stronger companies. And they're still going to be in business for the most part, you know, rather than kind of chasing the latest hot tech fad that will either go to a hundred or go to zero. That's not good investing. So investing in staples, not fads, is going to make you successful over time. Yeah, it's an interesting way of looking at that. I mean, look at something like DoorDash and some of these other ones. People have to eat, right? And so they obviously have seen seen their companies grow because people are having food delivered and so on and so forth. So, yeah, those staples of things that we're always going to have. We're going to need clothes. (laughs) If we're going to have pandemics and lockdowns, we're going to need alcohol. We're going to need wine, you know, whatever (laughs) the case is. So lots of things to take away from that as well. All right, let's move to our next one here. 
here on uh, lessons we can learn from rich musicians. Let's go with Miss Dolly. I don't even think I need to see her whole name. Say her whole name. Everybody knows who Dolly is. She's worth about five hundred million dollars. Obviously, she's known for all the songs she's written through the years, massive hits. I will always love you. Allowing other people to sing her songs, like Whitney Houston did a cover of that one. Made Dolly. I saw Dolly once on a talk show, and they asked her what she thought of Whitney's verse, and she said, "Well, not only was it great, but it, it made me a lot of money." <laughs> so <laughs> she was. She's very forthright about a lot of these things. She's made millions from just being really shrewd, and she's really marketed her her image and her persona and her story a certain way. But a lot of people don't know she's also done some things that, you know, like Dollywood. If you're not familiar, she has her own theme park in her home area of Pigeon Forge, and it was actually considered a losing effort for many years when she bought it in 86 it was not doing well she rebranded it it struggled so you know she's it's not always been a home run i suppose yeah not not immediately and, and i think that's a testament to you know dolly parton's career and i love dolly parton i grew up uh, you know sitting in the backseat of my parents car with country music you know hank williams and merle haggard and dolly go. parton and everybody you know blaring so you know i i, I got uh, the classics coming my way but what it really shows is patience you know, and, you know, Dolly comes from humble beginnings. A great example is, you know, and by the time this airs, it may or not have been resolved is, you know, the, the her state wants to build a oh, statue yeah. in her honor. Yeah. And she says, no, <laughs> I don't want a statue in my, in my, she honor, said there's whatever. too much going on right now. Maybe, maybe later I would consider it, but right now I think we need to focus on other things. Yeah. I saw that. That was great. It, Exactly. And that's just her humble beginning. She's worked really hard. She slowly over the decades built herself into, she's as big of a success now as she's ever been in her career. And if, you know, if you're on the brink of retirement, you're in retirement, your retirement savings is probably, you just didn't get it. You didn't, you know, for the most part, inherit it or win, you know, Powerball overnight. (laughs) You know, you built years and years, 20, 30, 40 years of hard work, savings, sacrifice, patience. So if you're close to retirement or you're in retirement, it's not a time to get greedy and start chasing maximum returns. You know, it's not an overnight success that you're looking for in your portfolio. At some point, you want slower growth. You want protection on your assets. You want assets that can generate income to either have permission to spend or reinvest to get organic growth. That's what the lesson for Dolly Parton is, is it slow and steady. You know, it's that tortoise and the hare. Yeah, the tortoise looks sexy and it's going back and forth and it's blowing <laughs> by everybody, but that hair just keeps making progress. And in, in and close to retirement, that's what's most important. I like that. That's a good way of looking at it. So there's some lessons, some good takeaways from some famous musicians, some rich musicians. Uh, again, the numbers might be staggering, but the lessons are pretty good. And I think, Mike, you did a great job of breaking that down for how we can think about it. Because good sound financial lessons, good sound financial plan is really the key to getting where we want to be in our retirement. And of course, as always, if you need some help, if you got some questions, you can reach out to Michael. Check him out at his website at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. While you're there, you can subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use. You can also shoot us an email question if you'd like, and we're going to take one right now. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. From Derek uh, up in Madison, Wisconsin area. And he says, Michael, my aunt died recently and left her house and some cash to me. I've never had a desire to buy a rental property before, but I'm considering keeping the house as rental income now that this opportunity has presented itself. Is that wise or would I be better off to sell it and invest those proceeds that she left me? Yeah, Derek and Madison, that's a great question. And it comes across our practice on a regular basis, whether it's the kids inheriting property, if it's, you know, in your case, an aunt, an uncle, you know, maybe they didn't have kids or something. 
something like that. Uh, and, and that answer is going to be different for everybody. So some of the things, Derek, you want to look at is, you know, any time, even existing clients, you know, that own a property or have extra cash, and they're talking about rental properties, either, you know, buying one, or they've got an excess, you know, home, then we'll start having the conversation about cash flow. So in the event that, let's say the place sat empty for six months, uh, would you be able to carry it from your current cash flow without dipping into your retirement savings, without, you know, without having to borrow money? Would you be able to still continue to pay? In this case, it doesn't sound like there'll be a mortgage, but would you be able to pay the, the upkeep, the property taxes, the utilities and that without challenging your lifestyle? If so, then yeah, it's a possibility. If there was a major repair needed, do you have financial resources available to take care of that once again without sacrificing your current retirement or you know your savings rate if you're not retired right now? Another question is, do you want to be a landlord? So we'll have the conversation that people are enamored by real estate. It's a physical, tangible asset, something that you know generates cash flow if it's a rental property or so. And we'll say, okay, well, are you comfortable getting that call at you know midnight that the toilet's overflowed or the roof's got a leak or <laughs> right. you know do you want to be a landlord or do you just like the cash flow associated with it? So if you don't mind, you're very handy or you know you've got a good cash flow coming from the property and it makes sense to have it. There's nothing wrong with having one, two, twenty rentals plus. You know, it can be a very lucrative endeavor for the right person. If you're somebody that's more enamored about just cash flow in general. Then it comes down to you can be in real estate in other vehicles. You know, many are called real estate investment trusts. You know, it's a little too technical to get you know over the top on for, for here, Derek. But a real estate investment trust basically is a company that owns a variety of real estate in different areas. So one might only own retail, one might only own healthcare facilities, another one might own you know commercial properties or industrial warehouses or data centers, whatever it happens to be, you need to know what you're getting invested in. But they kick out dividends and income somewhere in the five to eight percent on average. So you can own real estate by owning these REITs, get the cash flow, but not have to worry about that phone call about toilets at some point. You know, so at the end of the day, there's no right or wrong. Everybody's situation is going to be unique. So talk to your advisor or give us a call if you want to kind of work through that, Derek. All right. Thank you so much for the email question. We certainly appreciate your time. We appreciate everybody's time here on the podcast this week. Hope you enjoyed this fun little conversation about the richest musicians and some interesting financial lessons we can all take from that and how to apply it to our own retirement journey. And of course, if you've got questions, you need help, as always, check with a qualified professional before you take any action. You can reach out to Michael at 815-526-3092. That's 815-526-3092. Or just stop by the website, crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, uh, Spotify, uh, iHeart, Stitcher, all those major ones there. So you can find all that at Retirement Success Blueprint. Just type that in the search box on whatever app and you'll see that pop up. Mike, my friend, have yourself a great week. Thanks for your time. I appreciate you as always. And I will talk to you coming up in April. Talk to you around the bend. Take care, Mark. We'll see you next time here, folks, on Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The information provided herein is for training or educational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities, investments, investment strategies, or investment advice relating to securities, nor is the information or representation that any security is a suitable or appropriate investment for any person. Before acting on any advice, you should consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial 
situation and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Sound Income Strategies, LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies, LLC are not associated entities.